welcome. You've tuned in to another episode of the NJC Podcast. And now your host, Joseph Sawyer. Hello, judges, and welcome to another podcast presented by the National Judicial College. We are delighted today to have as our special guest, Judge James Garbolino. Judge Garbolino is a judge of general jurisdiction in Placer County, California. But more importantly, particularly for our topic today, Judge Garbolino has been a special advisor to the U.S. State Department on the Hague Convention of 1980. And judges, you may be thinking, how does the Hague Convention of 1980 impact me as a state court judge? Well, so Judge Garbolino, let me first say welcome. Thank you, Joseph. And uh, Judge, what is the Hague Convention of 1980? The 1980 uh, Hague Convention is an international treaty that the United States signed in 1980, but it did not come into force in the United States until 1988 when Congress enacted the implementing legislation. What this convention does is it provides for the authority of courts to actually order the physical return of children back to their habitual residence if those children have been wrongfully removed from their habitual residence in another jurisdiction in another country. So, Judge, uh, when, we, when we talk about a child being taken away and ordered back, we're, we're talking about a child who's been taken away from maybe the state of California, and the parents have taken that child away to New Zealand. And so you're issuing an order basically that impacts individuals and nations internationally. Well, that's correct. Uh, we normally would not be involved in a case where a child is taken from the United States, uh, except perhaps in communicating with a judge in another country who's handling the proceeding. Typically, the way that U.S. judges are going to handle one of these cases is when a child is taken across a foreign border into the United States and a parent in the foreign country remaining has petitioned the, your court to uh, have an order issued to return that child back to the foreign country. I see, I see. So Judge, uh, you mentioned that Congress passed uh, implementation legislation in 1988, that the treaty came into force. What does that implementation legislation do? Well, the treaty itself is uh, paints the broad uh, laws pertaining to the substantive law of the treaty. What Congress did uh, in 1988 was provide a lot of the procedure that guides the courts as to how to handle the cases. It provides things like definitions, the different burdens of proof to establish the case or the defenses to the case. It also establishes that state courts have concurrent original jurisdiction with federal courts uh, in these cases so that they can be filed either in a state court or in federal courts. It also provides for easy admissibility of documents and such miscellaneous provisions, such as uh, provisions for awarding fees and costs. You can, you can find the legislation at 22 United States Code 9001 at SEC. It's called the International Child Abduction Remedies Act. And Judge Garbolino, you've written quite a bit on this topic as well, so I want all of our podcast listeners to know that we will include some of your written materials on the Hague Convention on the NJC website with this podcast. So uh, by all means, go to the website and check out the written materials Judge Garbolino has prepared over, over many years of researching and, and teaching uh, the Hague Convention to your colleagues around the country. 
Judge, what kind of situations, when you hear these cases, what kind of situations typically fall under the purview of the convention? The typical situations that you would encounter is that uh, the one parent will surreptitiously take a child across a foreign uh, border uh, into another country, such as uh, you will frequently find that many cases emanate out of Mexico and the southern hemisphere. So maybe a, a parent will take a child out of Mexico and relocate with that child to the United States without the permission of the left-behind parent. Secondly, uh, these cases will arise perhaps when someone wants to take a vacation in the United States and they'll leave another foreign country uh, and plan their vacation, stay here in the United States, and at the conclusion of that uh, vacation, inform the other party that they're just simply not coming back. They're going to remain in the United States with the children. Judge, uh, are these custody cases? No. Hague conventions are specifically not custody cases. Um, there was an attorney who uh, first appeared in front of me many years ago who said that in all of his pleadings that he prepared for courts in Hague Convention cases that he put across the top of the pleading the phrase, a Hague Convention case is not a child custody case. Um, basically, uh, it is more like a provisional remedy. The Hague Convention case decides which country's courts should actually decide the custody case. So if the child has been brought here to the United States and, uh, and the, another country is the child's habitual residence, the theory of the convention is that the courts of the child's habitual residence should be the courts that hear the custody case. So, Judge, we know that there's all sorts of reasons why parents may take or abduct their children. Is every parental abduction case governed by the 1980 convention? No. Uh, actually, the 1980 convention only applies when the treaty is enforced between both countries involved in the case. So, if the child is taken from a non-treaty country, a court in the United States could not order the child back to that habitual residence under the authority of the Hague Convention. The court may only find, perhaps under the UCCJEA or other uh, state law, that the habitual residence is the only one with jurisdiction to decide the custody case, but the court cannot order the physical return of the child. Judge, if you were going to put on a class for judges who have recently been elected or appointed to the bench, and they've never heard these cases before, but they know they're going to hear them at some time in their judicial career. What basic information should a new judge know about these types of cases? Well, there are some unique characters uh, of the uh, Hague Convention uh, type of case. First of all, uh, the Hague Convention itself calls for the expeditious handling of the case. And under the authorities uh, of the convention itself and, and all of the authorities that are commented by the cases, it is expected that a Hague case should be completed within six weeks of the time that it is filed in your court. There may be uh, situations where it would take longer than that because of protracted trials, but the fact of the matter is you look at the ex expeditious handling of the case. And courts are encouraged not only to uh, use the most expeditious procedures, to handle the case, but uh, to uh, inform the parties that the case will be handled expeditiously by the court itself. There is a second part to it, and that is the role of the executive branch of government, which uh, constitutes the, the central authority. The convention sets up a post in each country called the central authority that handles the administrative details of the case, but also uh, they monitor the progress of cases uh, in the various jurisdictions. 
The central authority in this particular case is the Office of Children's Issues that is within the U.S. State Department. And they uh, may write a letter to somebody having handling a Hague Convention case that says, Hi, we're here. Uh, you should decide this case expeditiously. Uh, and here are some authorities that you might want to check uh, to uh, educate yourself about the Hague Convention. Don't be offended that this is somebody making an ex parte uh, communication to you. This is uh, actually permitted uh, under the uh, convention. Third, uh, the convention anticipates that there could be administrative returns. When someone uh, contacts the State Department uh, and uh, seeks the return of a child who's been brought to the United States, the State Department will ordinarily attempt to contact the parent who has the child here in the United States and explain to, the child, uh, to, to that parent uh, what the responsibilities are under the Hague Convention. And then they would seek to have that parent voluntarily return the child back to the child's habitual residence. They actually don't have any power to compel this, and so if they are not successful in their uh, administrative efforts to seek the child's return, then the case would have to be taken up in court. Next, uh, these are different because you can rely on foreign precedent. There is uh, a substantial body of U.S. law now dealing with hate convention cases, but for matters that may not be uh, covered by U.S. law or where there is a disagreement in U.S. law, uh, it is certainly permissible to contact, uh, to, to rely upon foreign precedent that might guide you in the resolution of the case. Perhaps the most distinguishing feature about Hague Convention cases is that courts are given the power to actually order the physical return of a child to his or her habitual residence. You know, under your powers as a state judges, you have the ability to make a decision as to where the child's home state is. Uh, and to order that that's the, uh, the courts of that state are the ones that have the power to make child custody decisions. But you can't order the child actually to go back to that state. But under the Hague Convention case, you actually have the power to order the physical return of the child to his or her habitual residence, uh, and that's uh, extraordinary. Again, you have concurrent jurisdiction with state and federal courts, and one of the uh, uh, byproducts of this is, is that if you are handling a custody case between the parties that are involved, and you determine that there is a hate convention petition that has been filed in another court, or if that petition has been filed in your court, uh, or it's been filed in federal court, you must cease all action on the custody case until the hate convention question has been resolved. Uh, so those are basically the unique concepts uh, that are underlying the uh, 1980 convention. Well, Judge, uh, so you have a, a party appearing in your court. They're asking uh, for you to issue an order to return a child to another country. What has to be proved to entitle a person to return that child? Basically, the prima facie case for a Hague Convention return is, number one, the child has to be under the age of 16. The child has to have been wrongfully removed or retained from his or her habitual residence. And the uh, retention or um, removal of the child has to be in violation of the custody rights of the uh, left-behind parent. It's actually a pretty simple prima facie case. Judge, uh, I have a whole bunch of questions just from the comments that you just made. So let's say we have a child. That child, uh, during the proceedings, turns 16. What happens? What changes when they turn 16? Well, when they turn 16, they actually fall uh, without the jurisdiction of the Hague Convention itself. And if they turn 16 during the middle of the case, you have to dismiss that child from the purview of the case. You cannot order that child to return. It doesn't matter if the case was started before they reach 16 
only when if they reach 16 they no longer uh, the convention no longer applies to them and you don't have any jurisdiction over that child so judge what's the difference between a wrongful removal and wrongful retention uh, basically two uh, different kinds of situations a wrongful removal is where one party uh, removes the child either surreptitiously or forcefully uh, in violation of the other party's custody rights and they do so in such a manner that it's known right then that what they're doing is wrong such as a uh, maybe perhaps a parent in the military uh, uh, the, the family is living in Germany and uh, the mother decides one day while the father's out on exercises that she's going to take the children and without his consent or permission or knowledge simply removes the kids and flies them back to the United States that would be a wrongful removal. A wrongful retention is a situation where the, the uh, parent and the child have the permission of the other parent to leave the child's habitual residence. And this is usually for a vacation or a need to visit uh, relatives in another country. And what happens in these situations is that once they're in the other country, the parent who has taken the children across the international border decides that they no longer want to return the children to the habitual residence, and so in that case, they are wrongfully retaining the children. Judge, you've used the phrase, the term, habitual residence, quite a few times. Judge, what is the definition for our, our judicial learners who are online with us today? What is the definition of habitual residence? The term habitual residence actually is not defined within the Hague Convention itself. Uh, it is a common uh, term that is used in uh, many European and other um, uh, jurisdictions other than the United States. Basically, it's a fact-driven issue and involves a finding that there is a sufficient degree of continuity that shows that the child is settled, taking into consideration the child's degree of acclimatization, the intent of the parents, uh, to make it the habitual residence and other issues that may apply including personal issues such as medical care, schooling, social life, extended family, friends, and age of the child. There is a substantial body of law attempting to define uh, the term habitual residence but it's basically a fact-driven issue that, that relates to the place that the child considers as his or her home. Judge, is this the same thing as a child's home state under the UCCJEA? No, it's not, uh, and uh, that is because uh, the UCCJEA and, and home state requires some uh, statutory uh, considerations and findings. It also involves uh, issues such as uh, domicile, or the, the uh, at least domicile is not an issue under the uh, habitual residence definition, uh, and uh, naturalization or citizenship also has no bearing on what may be the child's habitual residence. You may have a child who is a U.S. citizen who relocates to another country for a sufficient period of time with his or her parents so that uh, after a period of time when that child becomes settled in the uh, new environment, that becomes the child's home state regardless of the parent's uh, citizenship or the child's citizenship. Judge, are there any defenses to a, re a request for return? Sure. As with any kind of a, a petition, uh, there are defenses to the request for return of a child. Uh, there are there is a uh, a delay defense. First of all, if the if the person, the left behind parent, fails to commence a lawsuit, a petition to recover the child, 
uh, and have the child ordered back within one year of the time that the child was either wrongfully removed or wrongfully retained, uh, then uh, if it appears uh, secondarily that the child is now settled in the new environment, that would be a defense to the return of the child. Also, if the parent who is left behind consents or consented to or acquiesce in the child's removal or retention, that's a defense. If the parent has failed to exercise uh, his or her custody rights over the child, uh, that's a defense. Uh, and also, it's a defense if a return of the child would expose the child to a grave risk of harm or place the child in an intolerable situation. Uh, finally, there is a defense uh, that deals with uh, the fact of whether a return of the child would be a, a violation of the fundamental principles of human rights uh, of the state in which the child uh, is found. Well, Judge, let's say you have a child appearing in your court and they tell you, Judge, I don't want to go back to that home country. Can you as a judge uh, take the child's preferences into account? Yeah, this is something called uh, the, uh, the, the, the child's preferences or the, uh, uh, or the objections of a mature ch child. Basically, uh, if uh, the child is old enough, sufficiently mature, uh, to express an intelligent uh, opinion on whether or not he or she should be returned to the country, that may be considered by the judge in determining whether or not the child should be returned. Now note this, that this is not a preference for which parent that the child wants to remain with. It's a, it's a preference as to which country the child wishes to remain in. Um, you'll find that uh, many courts will apply the same rules they do in state courts is, is into taking into consideration the child's wishes as to which parent they want to be with, but the same uh, issues uh, are present. Is the child sufficiently mature to be able to make a, an intelligent choice and decision uh, as to what that child is advocating to the court. So, Judge, you're ready to rule. You're going to rule. You're going to issue an order that's going to return a child to another country. How does the court order the return of a child? You would actually want to issue a written order in each case and make it as detailed and specific as possible. Uh, if the parents don't agree and it appears that there's uh, room for manipulation, you certainly want to do things such as specify the flight on which the child is going to be taking, uh, from what airport and whose custody the child is going to be boarding that flight, uh, and in particular, uh, the any conditions of return. Uh, if there are restraining orders in place here in this country, uh, you want to make sure that those orders have, you've, uh, somebody has asked the courts of the jurisdiction where the child is going to, to be able to enact similar orders. Uh, you would always want to direct the, the order to the parties and then also direct that any law enforcement agency, either, either federal or state, is ordered to provide assistance and support and to, in, uh, and to affect this order to the extent that they're uh, able to do so. Well, Judge, are there any other things that your colleagues on the bench throughout the United States should know about the uh, Hague Convention of 1980? Well, there, is, uh, there are a substantial number of resources that, have, uh, that we've uh, put uh, up at the Federal Judicial Center website uh, on their main page. If and, you, Judge, we will provide that link. Okay, very good. Uh, other than that, uh, if you have questions about a hate convention case and you want to ask those questions, feel free to get in touch with me, or there are also judges who are uh, known as Hague liaison judges, and there are four of them, three state court judges and one federal court judge, who are available uh, by contacting the State Department and getting uh, their contact information. 
And if you give them a call because you have a case and you want some answers, uh, they'd be more than happy to spend time with you and give you whatever assistance you might need. Well, Judge Garbolino, thank you so much for being with us here today, and I want to thank all of our listeners for, for tuning in as well. Uh, stay tuned for future podcasts from the National Judicial College. And with that, Judge, we'll sign off. Thank you.